I started uh, my life as an engineer actually when I was 13, um, building uh, different things in electronics. I was fascinated by it, uh, building, you know, different gadgets and actually trying to sell them. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20 Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and Tech2Peace and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. This episode is very special on deep technology and a very, very cool startup. Please meet Raviv Melamed. Prior to founding Viar, Raviv was vice president of the Intel Architecture Group and general manager of Intel's worldwide mobile wireless group. He joined Intel in 2004 as part of Intel's acquisition of Envara, a fabulous semiconductor company based in Israel, where he served as vice president of R&D. Prior to this, he held several roles in the Israel Defense Force in the field of large-scale radar and communication projects. Raviv holds a BSc and an MSc in electrical engineering from Ben Gurion University, Israel. Raviv Melamed, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Good. All good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for joining me. It's, it's 10 p.m. in Nestiona, where you're calling from, and I very much appreciate your time. Uh, and I even more than that appreciate the the amazing work that that you're doing with Fire and 4D radar imaging. And I can only imagine or start to imagine the different implications this can have on on our world and our day to day, and the ripple effect that this makes in the industry. But your journey started long before that. It started joining joining Intel for an acquisition where you were VP R&D at your previous startup. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Raviv. How do you sort of look at your own path and entrepreneur or what type, who are you? Who am I? It's a, it's a short question and a long answer, but I still need to find out. So I uh, can't, can't tell you that uh, yet, but um, I started uh, my life as an engineer, actually, when I was 13, um, building uh, different things in electronics. I was fascinated by it, uh, building, you know, different gadgets and actually trying to sell them, uh, different kits. Back then it was, uh, uh, you know, you could actually build things with your hands. It wasn't like uh, chips and things like that. So that kind of started the whole thing. And then... In the army, um, I was doing more complex systems. Um, then went to a startup, and then a startup that was acquired by Intel, and then developed myself in Intel to become VP and GM of the wireless uh, group there. And then another startup called Viar. And uh, and uh, just I think a month ago, you you announced that Viar uh, achieved unicorn status with uh, over a hundred million dollars in fresh funding looking at 40 radar imaging, but, but looking back for a second, we, we, we had a, a short conversation uh, just recently about your work within Intel. And it was really interesting to hear how you came in to an underperforming product or, or vertical within Intel and, and managed to, to, through leadership, turn things around. Tell me a little bit about what happened there and what, what you learned from that experience going into Viar. Yeah, so... 
I think uh, in Intel, I've learned a lot, uh, especially about how big organizations work and what happens to an organization, you know, at the later stage of, it, of its life, and let's call it, um, how you kind of form a way of thinking and how bureaucracy and uh, not really understanding the values um, creates, you know, a huge um, gorilla uh, that can't really move fast uh, and basically missing things sometimes, right? So obviously Intel is a great company. They do great things. Um, but a lot of it is based on the inertia uh, and trying to go into new markets that requires different sets of capabilities, I would say, and, uh, you know, the ability to give freedom to people uh, to go and operate, but not just try it, but really take it all the way uh, through and not just throwing money at it, just really um, taking a real risk, right? So I think that's something that you've learned in your years as a, as a corporate. Um, what my teammate and I did is basically doing everything differently uh, compared to what was done before. Um, you know, not moving, you know, not doing things on Intel fabs, moving outside of Intel uh, to TSMC, for example, or changing cost structures, things like that. So there are a lot of things that I've learned over there. I'm really thankful for Intel to, uh, to allow me to do that. Uh, obviously, it was beneficial for Intel too, but uh, yeah, that's kind of what I learned there. And uh, and, and uh, you're, I think you're being very, very humble with uh with the different things that you've done over there, but but we'll leave that to another conversation because I want to focus on on Viar. Take me back eleven years ago. You're after six years of being at Intel. You're vice. You're, you're leaving as vice president. You're about to embark on a new journey in the deep tech space, 4D radar imagery. What is what is the problem that you're observing in the world, and 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 where are you at with this problem? Yeah. So so I think you know once I s- decided to leave Intel. Um, I started to think about what's, what's the next thing that I want to do. Um, and I started to look at the market and, uh, for me, there were like three routes, one continuing with communication, which I did for many, many years. And I really didn't find it interesting. The second one back then, Homeland Security was, uh, was a big thing. Um, I did that for part of it in the army. So again, wasn't interesting. Um, and, the market that was interesting for me was was the medical market because that was something that I didn't do before and I thought that I'll be able to do good things um, and, you know my knowledge etc uh, and it was really kind of intriguing to to go to that path so we started like thinking about that right and um, I wanted to see if I could do something else something new um, one of the things I learned over time is that uh, that's not mine. I mean, other people said that is when you uh, want to really create innovation in certain markets. The interesting thing is that you can bring technologies from a different market uh, to that market that suddenly good things happen. That's uh, kind of what happened over here. So one of the things that I was uh, asking myself uh, is why can't I use radio wave kind of frequencies to look into the human body. Um, and that was based on something that I did in the past in the army that looked into walls with the radio waves. Um, and um, 
I started to kind of check if that can be done, what people did in the past, which is very important. Um, and I found out that they, they all got to the same kind of uh, uh, issue, which was uh, the cost of the systems, uh, because radio waves uh, were extremely expensive to, uh, to do. And I think like every new thing, it's kind of uh, everything kind of falls the same time to the, to the right places. Uh, the technology is there, you know, the idea is there. Uh, and at that time, MIMO, uh, wave, MIMO radar, basically, uh, just kind of really started. I mean, people started to write more articles. So that was one thing. MIMO radars are multiple channels uh, that you need in, a, in order to get better resolution. Um, so MIMO radar was just at the beginning of it. And then silicon was just starting to become very cheap for RF. So what I did in Intel, for example, was uh, MIMO basically for wireless, right? <laughs> so when I looked at all those articles and look at what people did in the past, I say, hey, you know, if you use silicon, if you, you come with silicon concepts to this problem, uh, then you can actually create imaging. Uh, and that was a moment I, I was like, oh, okay, we have something here. Now let's see what we can do with it, which market is the right market, et cetera. And breast cancer imaging was the right market uh, for that to start with. By the way, and Ravi, just to set, the, so, just to set the, the, the picture here, you're sitting and you're looking at this technology emerging, you're looking at the market, you understand that there's a, a, a timing, you understand that there's knowledge that you have, a team of great people that you can form to this. When you're imagining the world with, your with this technology, with the new devices, what opportunities does it allow for the world in general with better imaging and, and better use of these radio waves? Well, what, what can we do potentially? Why is this interesting? No. Yeah, so, so when we started, it started with, uh, you know, with breast cancer imaging, but we, we quickly understood that the same sensor can be used to multiple markets. That's what we do today. There's a whole philosophy of why we're doing it this way, but we're not going to talk about it right now. So when you look at basically 4D imaging, call it 4D because the fourth dimension is, you know, movement and speed. Um, but um, the moment you have a sensor that can see through things, with high resolution uh, that can see in every environmental condition and it's very low cost, then there's multiple applications, right? It's basically kind of having a superman vision at low cost, right? That's that's kind of it. Once you have superman vision, you get the magic, but you can do it, right? Whatever you do with optical, there's multiple applications that uh, you can use it for, looking inside walls, looking inside human body, tracking people, tracking, uh, objects, etc. So that opens up a whole new set of uh, applications uh, in a new modality. So that was the idea. That's how we started. Uh, and that's the first slide we showed to our investors, like using one sensor to multiple markets. Mm -hmm. So, so when you start with breast cancer and what happens? So we started with breast cancer. Actually, we uh, started in parallel with uh, two or three applications. Um, and we pitched four applications uh, because we knew that each one of them will take time and uh, it's not an easy thing to do uh, medical. 
so we understood that we need to, to run in parallel, which was very unusual at that time. Today, people are more kind of open to it. Uh, but back then, uh, people explained to us that we need to focus and all of that stuff, which is true to many other things, but not specifically to sensors. Um, and we started parallel in ear imaging, um, testing, breast cancer imaging, and also uh, imaging in, uh, in mass production of food. Okay, mm. to detect contaminants, things like that. Interesting. So we were on you know, four different applications that we're running in parallel. And since then, we added several more applications like automotive, elderly care, et cetera, et cetera. Now, in the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned that one of the things that you took with you from sort of corporate world was this idea of autonomy and, and really supporting vertic- new verticals or new domains within an organization, even... And it's beyond just the yeah. money, the actual support and seeing it through end to end. Is that is yeah. that sort of what we're seeing here with you mentioning that we're doing things simultaneously? Yeah. And how do you as a CEO, what do you actively do to make that a reality within your organization? Yeah, so, so first of all, it starts with the structure of the organization. So if you look at typical organizations, uh, you have CTO organizations, but you, what you find out over time is that the CTO organization, you know, dealing with things like, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, and then you got the BUs. They live the day to day. They need to deliver. They need to solve the problems today, not in 10 years. And there's always a gap uh, between these ones and, and nothing that is the CEO comes, but not nothing, but a lot of the things that CTO uh, do, when they come to the BU, the BU is like, you know, now they, you know, you're like totally not uh, related to our architecture. You're not related to the way we do things. You're not related to the market, which is the biggest problem usually, uh, et cetera. So what we've created is an organization that is self-contained, that can bring uh, innovation, but that innovation is market-driven innovation. It's not something that, you know, this is, we're not research. We're, we're trying to solve the next problems, right? And this is like, think about it as a filter. If BD comes with the market, since that's the market, then come and talk to the customers. And we're doing proof of concepts in that organization. So they're kind of cleaning up the stuff that doesn't work and leaving the ones that, that work. And there is a customer in the market behind it, okay? And once that happens, then we know we're kind of vetting this, and then we know moving it into the uh, R&D stage um, and then developing that new market, right? So it's always market-driven decisions um, and it's moving very, very fast and we fail fast, okay? And that's super important because those POCs allow us to, you know, do something, doesn't work, throw it away. You know, we don't invest too much time and effort in it. It's not a big deal until you find the right, you know, thing that you need to really focus because you have a proof for the market, proof to the technology, just like a startup, and you uh, make it bigger. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the mindset. By the way, this is exactly how automotive started in VR, exactly how elderly care started in VR. Wow. Um, through that process. And generally, are those verticals entering bottom-up, top-down? Who's coming with, who's sort of the champion of these new verticals that are coming into VR and, and emerging? Because I'm guessing that for every success, there must have been a few failures, so you've tested a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, the, there's there's several failures, but uh, the way it's uh, done, it's uh, uh, done in, uh, it can be bottom up or top down. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. So this morning, a guy sent me, one of our employees sent me, I have a new idea for the for Bayar. Can we, can we talk? I said, sure. 30 minutes, let's hear his idea. And the first step of his idea is to go and check check it out in the market, right? So the BD guys will go and check it, see if there's something about it. If there is a customer is paying for a POC, that will go to the next step. And if the customer will pay for a project, that's probably going to uh, go to the end of the of the road. So so that's how we do it. So it doesn't matter who brings the idea at the end of the day. If it's a good idea, it will survive. I love it. Tell me a little bit about, you know, who, what, what are different interesting use cases for Viar in the real world, right? For, for non, non-deep techs that don't necessarily understand technology here, what, what, how is Viar positioned to change the way that we as humans interact with the world around us? We mentioned, you know, breast cancer, automotive, elderly care, but, but what tangibly, how, is, how are things changing? So let's take elderly care as an example. Is that okay? Of course, I that's I, I love that. Yeah. So elderly care is a is a simple example where today there's so many old people in their homes, and you have no what's going on, right? So there's a very interesting psychological element here, which uh, it's interesting to talk about. Like for example, you have parents probably how old are they? Sixty. Mm, six, five, six, four. Yeah. Right. And, and you think that your parents will, will live forever, right? Of course they will. That's how you run it. Exactly. And your parents are, will always be healthy and all of that stuff. And actually your brain refused, refused to understand the fact that they're actually getting older, getting weaker, etc. So that's one path. The second path is they always look at you as their, as their son and they don't want you to know what's going on with them, right? So actually, the sudden age, 75, 78, 80, they're starting to fall, but you don't know about it because they're not going to tell you and you don't even start to think that they're falling, okay? And then comes the big fall, okay? The big fall is a fall that they cannot hide anymore, okay? And then that thing suddenly switches, right? Then you start to really, really be worried about them and they're like, no, no, it's okay. And you need to find some kind of a balance where you know that they are okay, but you still keep their dignity, you still keep their, you know, their respect to them and all of that. Now, you're not going to put cameras in your parents' bedroom or bathroom, right? But you will put a sensor that money keeps their privacy, but monitor them in a way that if there is a fall, you will know about it, right? You or, or they know about each other, right? But someone knows. So that's the first step. The second step is even more interesting. So the second step talks about preventive medicine. And preventive medicine means that you track a person over time and compare data. Now, there's no single sensor today that can do that in the home. So when you think about it, talk about old people, they're in the home all the time. So if you have a sensor that keeps privacy for one half, no pictures, no way, something that tells anybody that that's me, right? But I still get the data and I can analyze and alert. Then, uh, super important, two examples I give you. One, an elderly care facility that we are tracking. Um, a person, we found out that he's uh, sitting on the sofa more and more time. 
right? And the 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 medical team was alerted. They checked the guy and they found out that he has heart issues. Wow. So basically that's classical preventive medicine, right? Another case was with a woman that uh, lost her husband. And they found out that the device basically alerted them that that lady is staying in bed longer and longer. Basically, she was kind of getting into depression. Again, send the medical team. She was getting into depression. And obviously, they took care of her. So when you started to look at these issues, there's tons of them, right? For example, there's a, a clear correlation uh, of deterioration of your health, with the, kind of in correlation with how many times you go to to the toilet at night. So you don't know anything about your dad, but when you suddenly see that suddenly he's going to the toilet more and more at night, that's a clear indication there is something there. So he's, he better get checked now, right? So there is a very interesting bonus. He wouldn't even know that. He wouldn't even track it. He wouldn't even right. be aware of it. Right. And that's going to change people's lives dramatically. Right? I so, love how we start the conversation talking about wireless communication to breast cancer to a little bit about, you know, the, the technological piece of it. But then we're going all the way back to human, the human computer interaction. And it's not just, you know, breast cancer and um, imaging, but we're actually talking about behavioral imaging and being able to, to sense things that, you know, if we are just able to, to observe them in, in a sort of an unobserved world today, they can have so many non, non, uh, you know, non uh, direct implications that, you know, if you were to ask me, you know, how to predict what are the different behaviors that a person may have that indicate this, some specific issue. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's fascinating. And Raviv, thank you so much for, for spending this time with me. Uh, this, it's, it's, it's inspiring what you're doing with Viar. I think that the structure of allowing for ideas to, to be to to rise and to innovate all the way to the end of the cycle where they are full full blown verticals within Viar is awesome. Congratulations again on the wonderful news, and uh, thank you very very much. Thank you, and keep doing the great job you're doing. Thank you, thank you.